Okay, so it is Prospect Corner once again, and as much as I would like to talk about Cole Sillinger forever, he'll probably come up in this episode again, but today we are talking about a Finnish prospect. Uh, I've got Sam McGilligan back, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Joachim Kemmel on Locked On Blue Jackets. Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day or your first watch of the day. Uh, Locked On Blue Jackets, if you didn't know, is free and available on all podcast platforms and also on YouTube. And uh, since last Prospect Corner was such a success and since I had such a good time talking to Sam about... Uh, well, Cole Sillinger, but also uh, David Juracek, which was the point of the episode originally. Uh, I thought I would bring him back and we would talk about another prospect. So uh, we've got Sam Gilligan from McKean's Draft, from McKean's Hockey, uh, to talk about Joachim Kamel, who uh, you have uh, not a controversial opinion on, but uh, when we talked a little bit before recording, you said that you had some different differing opinions to uh, some other scouts. So I wonder if you could... Uh, Let's jump right in. What what do you think of uh, Kamel? I think Kamel is awesome. I just think Kamel has been kind of miscast as a draft prospect. Um, I think Kamel's biggest strengths are his... Well, for one, he's not his biggest strength, but one that stands out to me is the effort level. First, like your average high-skill player, that he's got a tremendous effort level. He can make plays off the forecheck. He will be... I think he'll end up filling out to be quite a solid player at making plays off the boards in close proximity. He's got the fundamentals to have a good close quarters game, even if it's not all there yet. Uh, His shot is the standout tool everyone talks about him with. I think more than his shot, it's his off-puck movement to get those windows to shoot. That is his biggest strength. But I also think that's where the best parts of his game kind of stop. The, the motor, the moving around, the passing when it's there and it's simplistic. He, he can be a great passer, passer. Like they're accurate, they're crisp, they're easy to catch. They're, when the read isn't overly complex, he can get the puck through. The, the skill isn't, the actual hands part of the skill equation isn't as high end as I think other people believe, think it might be. Um, I see flaws within it. I also just, the major concern is even if he can pull off certain moves in theory, I don't like his application of his hands a lot of the time, especially when he's trying to open up passing lanes and that like pre-passing deception to try and make the other team think that, oh, he's not trying to pass the puck through here and then passing it through. He's not the most consistent with that really at all. And there hasn't been as much improvement. There's been improvement, but not as much as I've been hoping for throughout the season. And at some points, just straight up regression where I'm just like, wow, that's even okay. That's a pass. Um, Transitionally, he's a good player, but I don't ever see him being the guy to drive the bus. He's more of like the, 
second or maybe even third option who just makes the right reads and plays supporting supports the main guys properly. There's actually nothing wrong with that. That's a, that's a great thing. Having a player who understands their role, like they shouldn't be taking more touches and they are happy to be the second guy and move pucks around and just get open and make quick decisions to the right guy in the right systems. Kamel could, could be quite the transitional piece as long as he's not overburdened with responsibility. Defensively, he's smart. He's a winger, so his impact is minimal relative to other players. But he's smart. He's good with a stick. He can turn plays around, and he can kind of go a little out of position sometimes, but he typically catches himself and reroutes back into the right spot pretty quick. He's not a net negative. He's just not a super big positive either. And there's, he'll likely be just like a solid two-way, gets open, scores goals, and helps move the puck up the ice kind of player. And there's nothing wrong with that. I guess yeah, I would we, say that's my analysis of him so far. We uh, we talked about that again off mic about uh, him kind of, and I hate pitting prospects against each other, especially when they kind of are line mates or guys that play is uh, like significant minutes together. But you've talked about kind of Kamel versus Brad Lambert, uh, so I wonder if you could talk a little bit on that. Uh, not that conflict, but you know what? What do you see Kamel versus I, Lambert? Yeah, I get where you're... You have to talk about the two players together to get the full understanding of both of them. I don't really think you can have an honest discussion about either without because they were directly compared for the first half of the season before the team swapped for Brad. They were, I think, Lambert struggling to meet expectations while Kamel scored a ton of points early on really started a discussion that a lot of people weren't prepared weren't prepared to have. The answer didn't make a lot of sense at first. Like Lambert should be scoring more. Why isn't he? Kamel's playing on a different line. Sure, but Kamel's scoring like crazy. Lambert's not. What's the gap? It can't just be line mates. The real answer was Kamel had extremely fortunate luck. Probably the luckiest start of the season I've ever seen for a prospect. Not that he didn't like earn the opportunities he had, but you can only fire so many pucks in from the blue line before they start getting saved. They probably should have just been saved in the first place. And that adds to a goal total. And it looks nice if you're if you're looking on elite prospects and then you go and you see Brad Lambert with no points and you're just like, well, what's going on here? This guy's scoring a goal every other game. This guy still has no points on the season. Um, Kamel scoring has come back down to earth Lambert's never really went up but there's there's a lot of complex reasons for that and if we start going into Brad <laughs> Lambert then I'm going to be here nine episodes later <laughs> interrupting your next guest still talking about Lambert uh, but with Kamel he's come back down to earth with the scoring it's not as lucky as it was it's more of a true reflection of his actual abilities it's not an indictment against him either it's really hard to be a draft eligible player on a team that is pretty poor in the league in a professional hockey environment like that's a top five league in the world and scoring a ton of points it's really hard it's not an indictment on them but Wakeem Kamel is not the prospect that is ridiculously hot start would make people believe he could still be a quality prospect though and the right development system could do a lot for him and do kind of believe Columbus is one of the better teams to draft him. He's like a way better version of Chinikov. 
I guess you could say, in terms of maybe not actual release, but the role they fill are similar. And Columbus did beautifully developing Shinikov. Think they're the right team to develop Kamel as well. And they could get him to that actual top six forward status that a lot of people expect. Whereas I think most organizations draft him and he kind of becomes more of a middle six guy, which there's nothing wrong with that. Middle six guys are hard to get to, believe it or not. But mm, that's kind of my read on Kamal for the most part. Relative to Brad Lambert, who I think is the superior prospect, but you have to look at both of them if you want to talk about them properly, right? Yeah, and I know I'm I'm guilty of looking kind of at the elite prospects and so i looked you know when i was doing a little bit of research i looked at his stat line and i was like oh he's got 15 goals on the season that's pretty good and then you know obviously you're like well three of those were bonkers more than three wrist shots like from the quite a few of them were like i can't believe that one in the net yeah. he had um a pdo of like 114 and then uh, like a normal pdo is 100 for those who don't know and if you're having a season that is heavily affected by luck relative to what you're actually producing on the ice your pdo goes up and he had 114 i believe at some point which is just holy and that 114 pdo came months ago like that's how hot his start was and how insane it was is just like to get all of those points that early yeah, you don't often see that. Yeah. You can't often remember that as many times. I can't really remember that many times of it happening in the first place at all anyways. So, yeah, I mean, the, the argument could be made, you know, that good goal scorers find ways to score goals. Absolutely. However. And I think there's, you know, I mean, looking at it from a Blue Jackets point of view, um, Oliver Bjorkstrand, who I love, I love Oliver Bjorkstrand. Uh, I think he's a really underrated player. He is a super streaky scorer. Like he'll go maybe 10 games without scoring and then he'll score five goals in three games or whatever. And then he'll go for another stretch without scoring. So like I can kind of see where people are coming from with Kamal, but it also I don't know that the Blue Jackets could cope with having another streaky top six goal scorer like, like Bjorkstrand. In a minute, I've got more of my conversation with Sam about Joachim Kamal. First, I've got to tell you about a new sponsor, Shady Rays. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed and durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. And something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Ray's insane protection program. They include lost and broken protection on every pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Ray's. Exclusively for our listeners, Head to ShadyRays.com and use code LOCKEDON, or one word, to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Once again, that's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses, and Shady Rays is backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews, so get your sunglasses now. 
Also, I've got to tell you about Bet Online because Bet Online is your number one spot for all your betting stats and sports information. You can find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, which are about to start, and the start of the Major League Baseball season, which uh, is looking very, very exciting. So, if you want to put money on either of those things, you can go to betonline.net. If you want to put money on Hockey, if you would like to put some money on, uh, I don't know, the Vegas Golden Knights doing what they're expected to do and making the playoffs, even though they are currently out, then you can bet online at betonline.net. They are your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action because bet online is where the game starts yeah and it's why i don't know if columbus should draft kamal i just think he's one of the better situations that he could columbus is one of the better situations he could go to um kamal as a goal scorer any goal scorer will be streaky just because of the nature of scoring goals and how it's done and typically streaky unless you're one of those exceptional guys like matthews um the thing that I think you typically need to look for when projecting goal scores is how they generate their chances. So if uh, one of the prospects who I think is just the best way of describing this is 2018 Andrei Svechnikov. In the OHL that year, he scored a goal. He scored every type of goal there was on the planet. Terrible perimeter goals were some of them, but he scored a goal from every single high danger area you could find with every type of shot you could find from every type of body positioning you could find. That's a goal scorer finding the ways to get it done. Whereas Kamel, a lot of his shots, not even just his shots. Like I think it's something crazy. Like uh, I actually have a number that I can associate with this. Uh, da, 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 da. 37% of all shots when Kamel is on the ice come from Kamel's stick. Only 16% of them are not as many of them are that dangerous. Let's just put it that way. I don't actually have all the, I just realized I'm looking at outdated information, so I don't want to, but 37% of them are coming off Kamel's stick. The vast majority of them are from low danger and he only takes maybe 15% of his team's high danger shots, which isn't a problem. I mean, high danger shots are hard to get, but it does show that massive gap between the two. He takes this many of their shots when it's just, when you're looking at all shots, but when you only look at high danger, it plummets. That's a guy who's scoring a lot from the outside. That's the guy who's taking shots from perimeter, which is the, Hardest thing to project because NHL defenses will push you towards the perimeter and the goalies will make that read and they will make that stop. Mistakes will not happen as much. You will also just struggle. You'll still have less time and space to pull off the shot as well, which means it's going to be even more telegraphed than it is in Liga, making it even easier for the goalie. Like All of these things play into the defense's hands in the NHL. Whereas, like, you might be able to make it work sometimes with a ridiculous level, like, with a ridiculous shot, but not all the time. And once you get to the show, pretty much never. Only by fluke, and it's not something you can rely on. And it's fixable. Like, you just kind of need to tell them to stop taking all those shots. Take some, because you have to keep the defense honest, but don't 
take nearly as many of them and try and work the pucks into the middle. And if he could get into high danger areas, I think he could be a great goal scorer from there. And it's certainly possible. That's what you need to focus on and develop with him. I think he has the off puck movement and the timing to get it done. So that's kind of like the player you should be building when you draft him so that five years from now, he's great at timing cuts in the middle, getting a stick on the ice and just getting the pass and firing quick. And the goalie's going to really struggle to stop that shot. That's the type of player that he's more likely to be. Is there, um, I do want to talk numbers a little bit more uh, in a second, but before before I uh, forget that I want to ask this, uh, does he have an NHL comparable? Obviously, we talked about uh, Andre Svechnikov just a minute ago, but is there someone that's, in, that's obviously not a direct comparable? No, I would say those two are very far from each other. Andre Svechnikov is like score from everywhere. Kamel's score from perimeter. Who was a good comparison for Kamel? I'm awful at player comparisons, if I'm being honest. I mean, with you. honestly, like sometimes they, they just don't have one, and that's that's fine. But it's always I again for people who don't really know prospects, I like to see if there's someone that they can look at. So like we looked at Shane Wright as a potential Patrice Bergeron, and that kind of put Shane Wright into into context for people. Into who perspective, really yeah. Hmm. I'm blanking. I always blank when I can't think of one on the spot and someone asks me. I start running through like every NHL player I know and I'm like, no, 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 no. Um All right, well we can we can move on and then if you think about one Yeah, I because what I imagine will happen is you'll think of one basically as soon as we move on. But I if I can't figure it out now, I'll tweet it at you after you Yes, excellent. Throw it in or something. Yeah, again, just before we kind of started recording, we were talking uh, passing with, yeah, with Mel, and you had some, uh, some some numbers that were not ideal. Concerning. Uh, so let's, uh, let's talk about concerning. how good at passing he is. Okay. Um, Joaquin Kamal is a good passer when the pass is obvious. Now, I know that sounds like it's not a, but like it is a good thing. The passes he sends are super easy to catch. Catching passes cleanly and having to slightly bobble or control them could sometimes only end up being like 100 milliseconds in difference. And that can also be the difference between a goal and a turnover in the NHL. Like they, that's truly the margin they're operating on. And Kamal's passes are easy to catch. Um, they get, they typically get the player when the player is catching the pass, it's typically the right way for play to go pretty much. It's like the next chain. It's the next event in the chain, I guess, is the easiest way of like leading up to the goals. Like Kamel knows where to advance the play. He's not dumb. He's not someone who's just like throwing passes and not really like aware of what he's trying to do with them. But the problem is Kamel's only completing 56% of them. <laughs> that is just not, that needs to get up like a quite a bit and that's possible but a big problem of these is that i don't have a number that reflects kamel trying to solve complicated problem on the ice so he's stuck in the middle of a defensive structure there's two guys who can make a play on him and if he can get the puck past both of them to his teammate in open ice there's a dangerous chance right there he really does not make those plays well he doesn't really try to go for them as much as I think he should. But then when I see him try to do it, 
it's hit or miss. And a lot of them are end up being turnovers that just send play the other way. And that's never good. So then he kind of just dumps it in sometimes and there's nothing wrong with a dump in, but it's also not the ideal play. And then it's just like, it becomes a complicated mess. He really is not good at, it's not that he's not good. It's just, he's it's not his specialty to create dangerous chances for other players. There's just not much of that happening this year. A lot of his assists have also come from low danger shots that have gone in. Like so much of Joaquin Kamel's points have come from low danger opportunities. I think more so than any other top player this draft. And that is a projectability concern. Because if Joaquin Kamel doesn't have the scoring attached to his name, is he being discussed as a top 15 pick? I don't think it's outlandish, but I don't think it's the given that it pretty much is right now. And that's a lot of points to come from low danger areas. A couple of bad bounces, a couple of just teammates don't get the shot in. And you could be having a player who a lot of people are saying like, oh, this second round guy, should he be going in the first? And then I would be sitting there going like, yeah, he's awesome. This is why. And it'd it'd be a complete inverse of the same discussion just because of a couple of plays that happened to go right. So that's why it's so difficult, I think, the conversation around Kamel this year. Because there's a lot of nuanced ways to look at it. But the objective point totals that just cold hard numbers look amazing and the objective event data is mixed to straight up concerning in a lot of places and it these two extremes you don't really run into them often and it's the opposite where brad lambert who is the complete he's got no point production and everyone's concerned as hell but the event data is the best among forwards outside of maybe right but i think lambert's is better and lambert's doing it in a pro league which is just insane in a minute, I've got the end of my conversation with Sam about Kamel. But first, I've got to tell you about Rock Auto. Uh, with the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, it's basically impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why when you endure uh, pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You've got to wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer. Choosing the brand that they get the most commission on. You've got to take your car in. You've got to leave it there. You've got to wait. You've got to pay for the labor. You've got to go back and get it. What if you don't do any of that? What if you stay at home where you have access to rockauto.com on your computer or your phone? You can save time and money when using rockauto.com. They are a family business. They've been serving DIYers for over 20 years. And prices are reliably low no matter who you are. They've got everything from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, uh, even things like new carpet. If you could put it on or in your car or truck, rockauto.com probably sells it. So go explore the easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Um. One guy's getting like end of the first round conversation for a lot of people. The others got top 10, 15 status. And it it's two complete opposite extremes. Probably one of the most fascinating case studies amongst two prospects in years, if not the most fascinating. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to look in five years time what what these two players are doing. Um, you talked a little bit earlier about how you think that he potentially is not the right fit for the Blue Jackets, but the Blue Jackets could be the right fit for him. 
do you like where do you see him falling in the draft uh is he you say top 15 is he likely to be there I, when the blue jackets draft between maybe 8th and 12th maybe 8th yes 12th maybe not i think kamel is likely to go within that 8 to 12 range if i'm to bet on it i don't think he's going to go much higher i think nhl gms are still really going to like him um he it's the, a big part of it is the motor and the shot and the off puck movement in the offensive zone. Whether they're low danger shots or not, they're going to recognize that he's getting open for people to make passes through. They can, there are just like I was saying in the previous episode, when I was talking about Lambert a bit about like there are chances Lambert has created for himself. And then he gets open elsewhere and no one recreates it. There are times Kamel has gotten himself open wide open shot in a dangerous area and no one got him the puck. They didn't make the read in time. It's a very brief window. And by the time they see him there, he's covered and you can't put it over there. Now it's going to be a turnover. It's the difference between a goal and a turnover is really, really thin margin. And Kamel operates within that margin as well. And some NHL teams will look at that, see the motor on the forecheck, see the playmaking on the forecheck, see the, just the overall intensity that Kamel can offer. The solid transitional play, it's not too many flaws. The engagement in the defensive zone and just look at the passing and kind of go like, yeah, well, we can fix that. And if that's the case, he's going top 10 to whatever team views him that way. And if not, he might slip a little bit past it. But I don't think Kamal is going to be the type of guy to slip too far in the draft. Yeah, he feels like a a guy that maybe slips a little bit and then everyone then gets picked up lower than he was projected and then everyone's like wow can't believe he fell that far which it's gonna be him and you uh, i think yeah so uh if people... probably brad lambert <laughs> yeah <laughs> brad lambert for me is the is the guy in this draft that everyone's gonna talk about in three years time of Either I can't believe they picked this guy second overall, or I can't believe this guy fell into the second round. And I don't know which one it's going to be yet. But... I have no clue where he's going, but I do think there will be a team that sees him in the top 15 and recognizes a top five. To- I don't, I think the NHL by and large may view him very low, but he's the type of player that is going to be so high on a few teams list and all they, it just takes one team. I think Columbus is that team. I think San Jose is that team. I think that, Brad Lambert is probably going to one of them. That's yeah. been my guess for the year so far, and I'm sticking to it. I mean, I would uh, not, I would not be mad about it. I think Lambert fits also. Like we were talking about, what Columbus needs, and it, it's not another streaky goal scoring <laughs> winger who might be able to play top six or like be a really good guy on the third line. It could be a David Juracek. He's a right-handed defenseman who's a monster. But that's your first pick in the draft. You've got another one coming up after. There's a real chance the Jackets could walk away with Juracek and Lambert, which would make getting Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger, which was already insane, that wouldn't be like that would be better than that. That would just be four unbelievable value top fifteen picks in back to back drafts. The type of stuff that changes a franchise. Yeah, um, looking forward. And then you know you can't forget we got. Chinakov in 24th yep. the year before. We got uh, Carson Kulabans in the, the most recent draft as well, who has been doing okay in, uh, in Wisconsin. So Wisconsin's a tough uh, team to play in. 
Mm. Especially for a defenseman, I think. Keandre yeah. Miller, who is getting better and better in the NHL every day. Keandre Miller had some adjustment issues coming out of into Wisconsin and then issues having to readjust outside of the play. They play a certain way. They really like stretch passes. Yeah. Uh, like really like stretch passes. It seems to be a staple for years now. Some seasons more than others. Uh, but Kuhlman's, he was always going to be a project. The AJHL is a really tough league to come to the NCAA from the AJHL. Let's say that the jump is monstrous. And a lot of the stuff he got away with last year, I remember watching and going like, you are not getting away with that next year, man. And then this year came and he wasn't getting away with it. And it's yeah. just, it's the process. It doesn't mean he can't. Yeah, he had a, he had a rough start to the season. I think he had a really he's, rough start to the yeah, season. He's definitely gotten better as, as the season's gone along, which I think is a, a good sign. Um, yeah. I'm not in a hurry for him to get to the NHL. I think he's probably a year or two away still, but I would be super I would be super patient with him. I yeah. I actually think last year I was a little low on him because I love Johnson and Sillinger picks. The course and Coolman's one, I was like, I get it. I'm fine with it. Not the guy I would have picked there. I I was screaming Olin Zellweger and Atu Ratu at the TV for like 15 straight picks, I'm pretty sure, at that point. So um, for me, when he went, I was like, well, there's other teams making way worse picks. This is fine. Coolman's yeah. definitely going to. He was always going to go in the first round in the NHL draft, and he's good enough to make it work it's just there's a little there was a bit too much risk for me with the ajhl tape and then i watched him in the ncaa and was like well this is why i was skeptical of ajhl tape because he's so good at what he's good at that it's fixable so much of it and you he's probably gonna play in the nhl just it's gonna be it's don't rush him let yeah, it it's that's, that's kind of especially Defenseman, especially, it's just yeah, it's a it, huge level to, to He probably won't it. even be like ready to obliterate the NCAA, not next year, but the year after, and then he could probably make the jump to the show. But even then, maybe a season in the AHL just to fully get acclimated to pro pace, because then uh, it's his D plus five. By the time he makes his show, he could one hundred percent ready to just step into a top four role. And that's the guy, you know, no more development. It was all done like pre-show. All the bad habits worked out, all the glaring holes fixed. And the the puck movement in the defensive play when he was on top of it and the shot, they could become quite the tools. Yeah, he feels like a very kind of Columbus defenseman. He does. Uh, Columbus, Columbus loves a defenseman that is, act, that is actually a rover. So uh, it could be, it could be, it could be a, a fun, a fun decor. If, you know, literally three to five years from now, um, uh, <laughs> the future is bright in Columbus. Like that's the thing. We've been good. For, we were good for like four years, and then we were terrible from last year. And now I'm like, I will be terrible for another couple of years if it means that we can kind of get back to that team won 17 straight or 15 straight a few years back. Not to mention that you guys make good picks past the first round. seems you're one of the, Yama loves his depth guys. Yep. So I, I think that once the foundation is laid and the core is there, still be able to make the right picks in 23 draft, 24 draft, 25 draft. Like it, 
can't speak on them yet. I hate, I don't think you should ever start judging a draft until the year of, because if you didn't, then everyone would have said 2021 draft was going to be awful, but I think it's turning out pretty solid so far. And the 2022 draft is nowhere near what the hype was supposed to be. If you ask me, extremely short. (laughs) I feel like last year it was very much a case of the 2021 draft is awful but next year is going to be incredible. And then now people are like, oh, well, actually this year's draft is kind of weak, but next year is going to be incredible. And obviously Conor Bedard is out of this world good. And but so I don't it means that, Fintilli, uh, like the r- most ridiculous two, three you can think of coming yeah. into a season as well. But I, I get where I'm <clears throat> completely on board with it. It's just can't judge a draft early because I the 2021 draft, everyone was so sick of, and it kind of reminded me of like the 2017 draft where everyone was saying it was horrible. And I remember being at school that year and reading this like TSN post around the trade deadline about how GMs were evaluating 2018 first more than 2017 first. And they were trying to see if they could like swap their picks a year ahead for anybody who wanted to move up and buying completely into it. I was like, this draft is terrible. This draft <laughs> sucks. That was also the first year I started really trying the scouting thing too. And I was doing it with such a crap draft and I wasn't motivated and this and that and blah, 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 blah. And then there was a few players who caught my eye who I just assumed were going to be crap. One of them was Nick Suzuki. And I was just like, <laughs> I was, I was, like, well, he, I was like, he looks great. I mean, I watched him. He was one of the first players I ever watched in person. Um, it was really hard to get film on players back then. So I took word of mouth a lot more serious than I did now. And 2017 is turned out to be way better than the supposed 2018 draft that was coming a year later. That was the loaded, just absolutely loaded. And it is a good draft, but I think there's enough players from 17 where I'm like, I don't know, man, I think I'd be going with that one. Like when you've got Kale McCarr, Nico Heischer, Miro Haskinen, and Elias Patterson in your top five, Holy crap. Like yeah. that's a weak draft. That is insane. That's likely a Hall of F- Makar's going to be a Hall of Famer. Patterson could be on that path. Haskinen is probably the most underrated defenseman in the league cuz he doesn't have the the scoring totals. He sure is just an extremely dependable top 6 center. And that's just those guys. And then you just go through the draft and you just go, good player there, good player there, good player there, good player there. They were all maybes. They were all maybes. They weren't definites, but they were maybes. And a lot of them turned yes. That will be the 2021 class. Yeah. That'll be the 21 class. When people look at Sillinger and they're like, oh, well, he was a maybe, but holy crap. And then they look at guys like Fyodor Svechkov, Olin Zellweger, Atu Ratu. There was just talent that fell throughout that draft. Isaac Rosen, uh, Prokhar Poltapov. There was just a lot of good players. And what they all hit, they will be quality NHLers, not just depth guys, like quality NHLers. (sighs) So if people want to uh, know more about prospects or you know we talked about this uh in the the last profile but if people want to come and talk to you for six hours about Cole Sillinger uh where can people find you and your work uh okay so that will be at sam underscore mcgilligan m-c-g-i-l-l-i-g-a-n i will start tweeting about Cole Sillinger daily just because of this I probably will forget to do that actually but I should start doing that I love Cole Sillinger 
Um, there's also sammcgilligan.substack.com where I have, that's where I post draft rankings and breakdowns. And there's also a lot of content coming up. Uh, one of them is on redefining what I look for in physicality. Uh, one is trying to figure out what type of player you take with your first round pick and comparing forwards and defensemen. And that one's kind of turning into a series more than an individual post. And there's a few other interesting ideas that I have coming up that I'm just kind of waiting till mid April, end of April to drop. But that's all coming out. And then there's also, you can follow McKean's Hockey. Uh, I work on the video team with Will Scouch and Greg Revac and the three of us. Again, we've been prepping and starting to work on quite a bit of content that will be coming out just as the draft season starts ramping up. And all of the teams like me, whose fan bases are well out of the playoffs and have nothing else to look forward to for the rest of the year, can start coming to find this type of stuff. Yeah, why do you think I've been start? I've been doing draft like <laughs> yeah. and a half. I mean, part of what even sent me down the scouting train was Montreal being so bad one year. I think it was 2016 when yeah, you got something to look forward to overall, and I wanted to start learning about the prospects. That's what truly started the train that took me where I am today. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we'll have to. Well, we'll have to sit down and do an entire episode on Cole Sillinger, first of all. Uh, at I'm some point, but also when. The Blue yeah. Jackets know know a little bit more about where they're going to be drafting. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to talk about specific team need and stuff. Absolutely. And that's all I've got for you today. Uh, tomorrow we are going to preview uh, that night's game against uh, the opponent who I do not know off the top of my head, but we're going to preview that game. We're going to look at how their season is going. We're going to have a look at the uh, new guys in town. We're going to talk a little bit about Ken Johnson and Nick Blankenberg. Uh, that's going on tomorrow's show. I have been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find this podcast at L-O underscore Blue Jackets. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. And until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.